This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. Hey guys, quick thing. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only question left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the Guna Talk. I've just realised that it is so often that I click the wrong intro for these shows. I'm so used to clicking like the transfer show button. I feel like I feel like I, I'm because they are different. You know, we put effort into changing the intro videos. You'll notice like slight tweaks and differences between the different introduction videos. And I feel like I'm shortchanging you. So I'm going to play it. I'm going to play it one more time. But you'll see this time the difference between the transfer show intro, which is the wrong one that I just played, and the raw reaction one. Those on audio won't have a clue what the difference is because the, the audio is the same. But just, just look out for the slight tweaks that we have for the different videos. There we go. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Guna Talk Raw Reaction Show. Joining you the morning after Arsenal's 2-0 win against Brighton in the Premier League. Fantastic stuff. Brilliant result. Dominant, in control. And uh, to be honest, like a completely different style of game to what we saw at the Emirates last season. Uh, it really was... Um, a game in which I thought was heading in a certain direction. I was like, oh, we're missing every chance we're creating. You know what is going to happen here. And thankfully, thankfully, um, in the second half, we managed to find the goals that we desperately need to find because it was nil-nil in the game, believe it or not, last season when Arsenal lost 3-0. And I remember sitting there and thinking, goodness me, I really hope we're not heading for something similar and where we've wasted the opportunities to score, not taken them. Uh, and then ultimately it's not falling in our favour, but very, very pleased, very happy indeed. In the end, uh, we come out with the result of really, really massive importance because in the end over the weekend that we've had, the weekend of other results as well, has meant that we've uh, we find ourselves back to the top of the Premier League 
table, um, which is a really nice place to be. I think we can all agree. A good morning to those joining us live in the chat box. Thank you so much for doing so. I can confirm that StreamYard has, has probably mugged most of you off. Uh, Maggie, good morning to you, to Martin, to Damien, to Paul, to Pikahu. Good morning to Harrison and Old Dave and AB and Brad, Mr. Ree, Sweating Merlo, Stevie, Maximius, Temi, MRM, Jacob, Jorgen, Junior, Roy, Mark, James, uh, Steve. We've got uh, Stephen, Barry, Blackshine. Thank you so many of you for tuning in and joining in. It's uh, very much appreciated. And it was nice to see and, and speak to a number of listeners actually yesterday at the game. And and thank you so many of you for sending in so many kind messages based upon uh, something that we touched upon yesterday, both in the YouTube comment section and uh, via DMs as well. We touched upon the awful incident of, of Tom Locklear at, um, at the Bournemouth-Luton game. And we were asked a question about why a game should stop in that scenario. And we talked a little bit about that. And a lot of you uh, took time out of your days to send very kind messages to how we, as a group, uh, dealt with that, as a, as a channel that we dealt with that. So thank you for those of you that sent in those kind messages. It's, it is, it's good to get that validation uh, that we did indeed approach that in the right way. So I'm glad that you thought so. But thank you for doing that. And, and thank you for helping us reach 53,000 subscribers as well. Uh, do drop a like on the video if you haven't done so already leave a five-star review thank you to those that have left some supportive words on the itunes as well and a five-star review and on spotify leaving those five-star ratings too thank you to those that do that it means a lot but i've waffled along for too long four minutes worth nearly i'm going to get those commenters complaining that don't know how to find those uh those timestamps in the comment section. But let's crack on with today's stories and the reaction to yesterday's game. Arsenal 2, Brighton in uh, Brighton nil, totally in control. Uh, I just wanted to see more. I just wanted more. I just wanted more goals. I just wanted a greater level of, of clinical finishing. I just wanted a greater level of... I, I suppose I wanted a lower level of goalkeeper to face because Bart Verbruggen had a fantastic game in goal for Brighton. And there was a period in which I thought, well... He's getting man of the match because he's going to keep a clean sheet. And, you know, Arsenal are going to have an absolute frustrating evening of being unable to take their chances. But in the end, Gabriel Jesus, Kai Havertz with the goals. We'll talk about them individually very shortly. But overall, the performance was completely dominant, a dominant, a great response from the last two games. I wrote in my piece that went out this morning about the difference between us and Manchester City. Man City at the moment are in something of a bit of a form rut, if you like. They cannot quite seem to not stop dropping points um sorry they cannot seem to stop dropping points there's the right sentence double negatives messing me up um and it's difficult to get out of those ruts and i remember a couple of seasons ago when we failed to reach the top four in that season that amazon obviously covered us as well we would seem to go on these small runs of games like three three games three four games in a row where we would lose or drop points because we were really struggling to respond to when we did drop points and obviously losing against Villa was painful. And obviously we would be sitting significantly comfortably at the top of the table if we were to have won that game now. But um, we find ourselves in a position where we are only just ahead in terms of the table. And I think that sometimes you can struggle to respond to those types of defeats, especially against another team that is operating at a very high level at the top end of the table. And that's why I think Mikel Arteta chose a stronger side than maybe people thought by playing Saliba and Gabriel um, and Havertz and some other players that came on in the game against PSV to try and win it because I think he was conscious that he didn't want to go on a run of not winning games. Um, and I think that responding the way we did yesterday was just perfect, really. Of course, Brighton played on Thursday, but... 
We didn't see that same tiredness from Villa last week, so there was no expectation that we would see that same tiredness from the other team. So, uh, and De Zerbi, of course, made a few changes and swapped out some players from that game on Thursday against Marseille to keep his players fit and ready and fresh. So there is no arguments there that ultimately Arsenal are, um, you know, and deserve their win and deserve the win against a team that are still very dangerous indeed. But we did have chance after chance after chance. Um, shots from Jesus and Saka and Martinelli and Odegaard and Havertz and Gabriel, all failing to take the opportunities that fell their way. And it just felt like time after time we were getting closer, but it just seemingly wasn't happening. And it just wasn't working for us. Martin Odegaard was, other than the goal that was missing from his performance, Odegaard was fantastic. He was at the centre of absolutely everything that we did. If there was a chance, he was involved. If there was a cross, he was probably playing the pass. The ball that he played through to Saka, which was then cut back to Martinelli when he hit it just over the bar, is one of the best through balls you will ever see. That you will ever see. It is an amazing piece of footballing architecture, if you like. Uh, the pass was just unbelievably so suave in, in its movement and uh, he kept on trying to find the space the little touches forwards obviously that chance in that second half that Verbruggen had to reach high to get his hand to and there was another one which obviously led to the corner which eventually led to uh, Jesus scoring I think where the ball is played across um, and he should just hit it first time but he tries to take an extra touch as he always does there was another chance in the first half where he overplays it and tries to pass it through the middle and you're like just shoot just shoot. Um, but it was fantastic. It was a great performance in the end. And ultimately, we were only missing the the final kind of cherry on the cake of, of Martin Odegaard's performance. Um, before we get to the goal, um, I want to discuss Mikel Arteta. And I use the phrase of here we go again, because the, Mikel Arteta is booked yet again uh, for another, um, I don't know what the right word, turn of phrase is, for another misdemeanor is that the right word I guess he was booked because and I love this photo because I think that in Arteta's look on his face just shows you the disdain that he we as an Arsenal fan base kind of have now for the decision making of referees just emotionless if you like just staring into the abyss of expectation that I'm going to get booked now I am going to say something that you may not like and that is that Arteta probably deserved his booking. You, you can't do what he was doing. He can't be jazz-handing like <laughs> all the way down the touchline. He was frustrated. And I think to a certain degree, there was a level of mockery uh, in some levels. That's my opinion. Um, but I loved his post-match interview. Um, I loved his post-match interview, which I think he was speaking to be in sports. And he was asked the question, of what he was doing. And he claims he was waving to Gabriel Martinelli. Now, should we take his word? Should we take his word for that? I think we probably have to. In a court of law, they might have to take his word for it. That's his explanation. He was waving to Martinelli. Um, now, whilst I don't think you can do what he did on the touchline, and I think that the yellow card was, you know, in the end, the right decision, uh, even though it's a frustrating one. Um, you know why he was annoyed. And I have complete sympathy and empathy for why he's annoyed. I think post-match, some, someone said that four out of six managers were booked 
in the 2 p.m. kickoffs today, uh, yesterday, four out of six of the managers were booked. And Gary O'Neill was was one of them as well. And I just can't get my mind away from the fact that now this this line of referees are unquestionable, that um, managers' emotions and the context of that situation are not being taken into account. If you saw the Diogo Dallo red card, you know, I'm not a fan of Manchester United by any stretch of the imagination, but the actions that led to Diogo Dallo getting sent off in the game against Man United were ridiculous. Yes, he deserves a booking. Does he deserve a second booking? No, I don't think he does. It's all the same action. It's all in the same context. And surprise, surprise, it's Michael Oliver sending a player off with two swift yellow cards, just like he did to, to Gabriel Martinelli. I tweeted this morning that referees are heading in the direction that in the next few years, you will see a former referee on Armour Celebrity get me out of here. I'm almost certain that you will see a former referee on Armour Celebrity, Celebrity get me out of here. I'm so sure of it because they are becoming like just infamous, if you like. Referees are becoming infamous. And it's very dangerous, I think, some of the words that some former referees like Peter Walton that we've discussed this week, that I'm not going to go over again, have been coming out and saying. But uh, I think Arteta's uh, approach to it, whilst was worthy of a yellow in this case, I completely understand and have complete empathy for his frustration because there was obviously a yellow card that was needed. And if he hadn't have acted in the way that he did, perhaps Matoma doesn't get booked when he deserved to get booked. Because for Ben White to get booked and for Milner to not get booked and then for Matoma to not look like he was going to get booked was a joke. So I'm glad that happened. There was also a number of missed calls. Odegaard had a shot that cannoned off of one of the Brighton defenders, was given as a goal kick. Zinchenko right in front of the press box, cleared the ball out off a Brighton uh, forward, was given as a Brighton throw. It was awful officiating throughout the game. Persistent mistakes, constant mistakes made. Um, and I'm not surprised that Arteta in the end was, not even in the end, it was the first half, was was losing his mind. But I love this post-match interview. I think he's got at this moment. It's it's a it's a circus and it's being treated as such. Um, let's talk about the goal. Gabriel Jesus in the right place at the right time. This is a goal that I have missed from Gabriel Jesus for quite some time. I've missed him popping up at the back post from a corner and heading it in. If you remember when he first arrived at Arsenal, he scored a couple of these in, in the first preseason in 2022, and he scored one, I think, earlier on during the 22-23 season as well. And I've missed this type of goal from Gabriel Jesus, just being at the back post and heading in or volleying in at the back post. And it's good to see that this is still a part of his game. Um, and I think that this is going to be Arsenal scoring again from another set piece opportunity as well. We are so dangerous when we get corners or free kicks that there's a really good chance that Arsenal have got off scoring because the work Nicolas Jova has done, you know, especially attacking free kicks and, and corners and things like this. Yes, we need to be better in defending set pieces, but Jesus in this position just seems to never get picked up. Like he does this time and time and time again. It was Leicester. Yes, Fundalima, thank you for remembering. I thought it was Leicester, but I didn't want to say it just in case I was wrong. But I thought it was Leicester, yes. Um, and it's this type of, of game and this, sorry, this type of goal that, that I think shows the danger that Jesus is in, in terms of his positioning and his reaction times. And it's very, very good because when that header gets flicked on, he has a split second to respond. He has to readjust his body. He has to readjust where he is. He has to realign himself to then get the shot on target. Yes, it's an open goal, but you've still got to finish it. We've seen time and time again headers 
go wide. Think about Kai Havertz, the one he had against Sevilla, I think it was, or Burnley, in the opening stages of that game where he had that back post uh, header that went just wide. It's not easy, you know? And so Jesus scoring in that place was great. Um, and very, very, very happy that he got on the score sheet and responded to the critics because it was needed from him indeed. Samina, <laughs> Kai Havertz scores again. Still not singing it yet. You're not having it yet. You know the rules. You know what you've got to wait for. Um, Kai Havertz scoring a different goal to what we've seen so far from him. A really important goal. A massive goal potentially in Arsenal season because we needed, we needed to make sure um, that we had that second goal because there were some nervy moments. Pascal Gross with that chance. You know, that that was a huge opportunity for Brighton. Had they scored it, it would have been completely against the run of play, um, as we know. But we survived that moment and then we took the responsibility. And by the way, a big shout out to Eddie Nketiah as well. Spotting the ball, perfect pass from him and Kai Havertz running through. We've typically seen him run into the box off the ball to score his goals. The Brentford goal, the Sevilla goal, um, of course, his goal against... Um, Luton Town as well, right place, right time, running into the box. This time he's running into the box with the ball. He's had to take the ball with him, the composure, the drive. He's got such good control of the ball when it's at his feet. Like he, He's very sensible. He's very composed. You know what he's doing in those roles. He's not like, you know, we've seen a lot of players that have been getting stick from when they've signed, miss big chance. Like think of Darwin Nunez, right? There's a really big difference between Darwin Nunez and Kai Havertz. Kai Havertz has been frustrating because there's been moments of not doing enough. Like he doesn't, in, he hasn't inspired enough at times. Like he plays it too calmly. He doesn't play the risky pass, and he's, he's, he keeps to the basics because he's building up his confidence. But sometimes he, I want him to risk a bit more. And yes, there was the mistakes against Manchester United. And yeah, I remember that when he mishit that shot in the box. I think that was also against Manchester United. But that was kind of a little bit of a one-off. Like we haven't really seen that type of mistake from him in the same way that we see it so often from a Darwin Nunez, for example. Havertz actually is very composed, I think, in his actions and is really delivering uh, this form and, and this momentum. Momentum is so important in football. Like, I think the biggest criticisms I've seen of Havertz is that at Chelsea, he would have moments where we thought, or when I say we, I'm talking about Chelsea fans. Chelsea fans thought this was a turning point. I've seen the amount of times that Rory Jennings has battered Havertz thinking that, no, he's not coming good. No, he'll go on another drought or whatever. But he's not, is he? He's playing well. He's playing consistently. He was taken out of the team, remember? He was taken out of that team for the game. Um, what was the game he was taken out for when Leandro Trossard started in, in midfield? It's not been guaranteed that he comes straight into the side. Was it Burnley that, uh, that, um, that, that Trossard came in for? It's not like he's been playing and starting every week and that Arteta is just because he scored against Brentford was going to start him in the next Premier League game. You know, he, he came on and scored against Brentford. He started and scored in the game against Sevilla. And then I think he was taken out of the game um, for, the, for the match against Burnley. So it's not like he's been starting every game. He's had to come back in, earn his spot back, score goals like he did against Luton and now like he's done again as well. Um, it's not been guaranteed that he starts because Trossard's there and Trossard's pushed him and, and so he's responded. So this was a great finish. It was a great moment. It was a continuation of what he's doing. It's a real big kick in the teeth to his critics and to those that just cannot, for some reason, give him the credit that he deserves. He's got three goals in five Premier League games. Dan Potts is sweating and uh, I'm very much looking forward to, to seeing this run of his 
continue. That said, Declan Rice is just silly, isn't he? Like he's just, I know I've I know I've said something to this effect, like that Declan Rice is just really boring. Because <laughs> it's just silly how good he is. Like it's just stupid how good and how consistent Declan Rice continues to be. And I I can't get my head around how many other superlatives, how many other adjectives I'm going to have to use and invent and go through my, my my thesaurus to try and use to describe what Declan Rice is. I I loved, I've received in the last month a lot of messages from people that have turned around to me and said, Tom, I was wrong. I really didn't think that Declan Rice would be as good as he is. I really didn't think that £105 million was going to be worth it. I can't believe that we didn't push harder to sign Moises Caicedo. Uh, and fair play. You know, I have so much respect for people that hold their hands up like we do when we're wrong about things. We hold our hands up and say, you know what, I got this one wrong. You know, if, for instance, you know, if Ivan Tony was to sign for Arsenal and absolutely battered it, I wouldn't, I couldn't wait to throw my hands up in apologies if that happens. But for, it's so key to just to do that whenever something is wrong. But Declan Rice, is just like, there's not even a debate. They almost, I've never seen someone just quell the debate about his price tag so quickly. You know, I've never seen someone just completely eradicate the, the process of talking about what Arsenal paid for him. Typically, you only talk about how much players cost when they have, when there's concerns. Like we were talking about Havertz's price tag for quite a lot at the start of the season. We've suddenly stopped talking about how much Kai Havertz cost. Some people don't even remember how much Havertz cost. Um, but we've never talked about the price tag for Declan Rice. Not once, not until like obviously when he signed, we talked about it. But when, as soon as the season started, we've not paid. We've not sorry, we've not paid any attention to how much Declan Rice cost. His interceptions, his drives, his running. I really thought he was going to score again. Fantastic run down the left hand side. Shame his shot was saved by a very good, as I've already mentioned, for Bruggen in goal. It was a very similar um, position that he was when he scored that goal in the UEFA. Conference League last season for West Ham where he sprinted through the centre of the field left footed shot across the goalkeeper I can't remember who the opposition were but um, it was a very similar position of a left footed shot and I thought he was going to be able to repeat it, shame that he couldn't, it would have really capped off a top performance certainly worthy of his Man of the Match award, I mean how many Man of the Matches has this guy won this season, he must have won about 50% of them at least he must have won about 50% of the Man of the Match awards so far this season was it thank you Dwayne it was uh, apparently it was Genk uh, in the uh, in the conference league um, an amazing goal there and I really thought he was going to repeat it uh, this time around uh, sadly he didn't but uh, when we're going when you've got Liverpool next you know when Anfield is coming up and you think what could have Arsenal done with last season that they didn't have in their game to try and win at Anfield is Declan Rice going to be the difference for us this time around is Declan Rice going to be the guy that changes everything for us not just at Anfield but maybe in a Premier League title race and future Premier League title races I hope that he is because he's stunningly good world class no debate debate is done over dead there's no debate at all about whether or not Declan Rice is world class he is factually and there is no one and nobody that can say otherwise. He is just, in my opinion, the best central midfielder in the Premier League right now. He has overtaken Rodri. And Rodri, because of his suspensions, because of, you know, he's, he's really important to what Man City do. But 
Declan Rice, is, his presence is winning Arsenal games and, and it's got Arsenal top of the table. So he's the best centre midfielder in the league right now. And I don't think there's too much debate about that whatsoever. Um, lastly, thank you, Manchester United. Um, a nil-nil draw with Liverpool at Anfield means that Arsenal do indeed climb to the top of the Premier League table and we'll sit there very proudly indeed until we go to Anfield next week. I managed to catch most of the game. Uh, I was sitting in a cafe after the game writing up um, my morning piece to send in, which you can read on London, talking about the successes and frustrations from um, last night's game at the Emirates. But I managed to catch it awful. And I saw uh, a good friend of the show, Rambo, uh, tweeting about um, how if Liverpool play like they did against Man United when we face them, Arsenal have got a great chance. Arsenal have got a very difficult task on their hands. And we know that. A very, very difficult task to go to Liverpool and get a win. We know how difficult of a place it is to go and play. We know how difficult of a place it is to go and score. And we know what it's going to be like for us. We know the challenge that we that we face. Liverpool have got some fantastic players. They've got some questionable selections. And I think they have got some vulnerabilities that we can hope to take advantage of. But we need to defend well. We need to defend well. We need to win the midfield battle, which is not going to be easy. And we need all of our players to have an on day. Because if any of them are off the pace, we will be punished. But if Arsenal can win away from home at one of the big away grounds, be that Liverpool, Manchester United or Manchester City this season. And Spurs, of course, if you want to call them that. But, you know, we've already won there. But to win at United, Liverpool or the Etihad is, I think, the measure of whether or not this team can win a title. So let's wait and see what happens. I'm very excited for the game. I think you have a reason to be excited for the game. Liverpool, of course, will have a game this midweek as well. It's worth pointing out. Liverpool are playing in the uh, Carabao Cup. They are playing at home against uh, West Ham on Wednesday. They then play. They will be recovering on Thursday. They'll have a training session on Friday. And then they'll play uh, us on Saturday. So they have a midweek game. So hopefully that works in our favour. Um, and I'm hoping that it's going to be a brilliant occasion for the Gunners. Right, let's go to part two and your thoughts, theories, queries, and questions right after this. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. And the same goes at McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with Mook Delivery. Are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com.
Right. Uh, shall we jump into the chat? If you haven't already dropped a like on the video, by the way, please make sure you do. Um, we've been hitting some really, really good numbers in, in terms of likes on recent videos, again, demonstrating the power of this community. Thank you to everyone that continues to, to drop into our shows every single morning. We do this every single morning at 8am, if you were not aware, and we've built up one of, in my opinion, it's just not even, not one of, just the best communities that is out there across the Arsenal space. And if you'd like to see some people in the Arsenal space that uh, that you've made friends of in a chat box and put some faces to names, and you can come to our live event, uh, which is taking place on February 22nd at the Old Queen's Head on the Essex Road in North London uh, with me and a panel of surprise guests, uh, of which we'll be revealing the identity of very soon indeed. So uh, if you would like to, there are some tickets left to get hold of, but I wouldn't wait because they are... Uh, yeah, we're down to less than, I think, two-thirds of the tickets left, which is great. Um, so thank you to those that have already uh, signed off on theirs. And I look forward to seeing so many of you at the Old Queen's Head uh, in February. Uh, Marin says, will I be watching the Champions League draw? Of course I will. I'll be doing the live blog as well for Football.London. So if you're out and you can't watch the draw for whatever reason, uh, you can tune into the Football.London Champions League live blog, which starts at nine. So in half an hour's time, we'll be starting that blog because the draw is at 11 a.m. UK time. So make sure that you tune in for that. It's going to be exciting. It's going to be fun. I can't wait to see it. Uh, I can't wait to watch it and see who Arsenal will indeed be facing in the next round of the competition, which I think is indeed in either late February or early March, um, I think is when the uh, next round of the competition is. So that's going to be very, very exciting indeed. Uh, Zaid says, uh, and I hope I pronounced your question, uh, your, your name correctly, so uh, apologies if I haven't. Uh, hey Tom, first time question. With the rise in the number of athletes suffering cardiac arrests during games, any insight into what is happening? Would be great to get the doc's thoughts on this. I mean, yeah, I'm not a doctor, so there is no way on earth that I can give you any kind of insight or accurate answers to this. Um, I'm not even going to try and speculate because um, I dread to think the theories that people try and come up with are. So, yeah, I'm not going to give you any of my views on that, Zaid, I'm afraid. Uh, I'm not a doctor, so I can't give you any kind of information on that. Uh, Michael says, morning, Tom. Finally managed to get on to the live shows. Great win yesterday. We finally have the winner's mentality that it takes to win the league. Question for you. What do you think of Kivior's performance yesterday? Came off the bench, didn't he? Um, and was just what we needed at the back, you know, just composed. I know he made a misplaced pass to Enketia, but he just needs to come off the bench and do well. I think he's, I think he's what he's doing is he's gradually, over time, really assimilating well into the Arsenal team. He's a great option to have coming off of the bench, um, and so I think that that's really, really important to have an option that can come off the bench. Um, and so, therefore, we we ultimately need to to have depth like Kivior. So, yeah, I, I think that's that's the way forwards. Uh, Maximius, I know that he meant Dr. Raj Prabhra. Again, he's a doctor of physiotherapy, so I'm not going to sure he's even going to be able to give you a, an answer either. You need to find someone who's a specialism uh, in that field. Uh, Lee says, January is upon us, Tom. Who do you think uh, we want to see coming in, if any, and who goes out the door? I think it's obviously a lot easier to probably assume who leaves than who it is comes in i have said a number of times before that while arsenal will be open to doing business in january their capacity to be able to do deals in january will be based upon a player sales if any happen and b how clever they are with any potential moves be them loans be them structured deals it's going to be very interesting to see what 
they can do in January and how they can do it um, because it's going to take. But outgoings, Cedric, of course, being linked to Villarreal. So we have to keep our eyes on that one. I think, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if some teams that are fighting relegation come in for Inketia or come in for Nelson. You might see some teams try and, and sign those guys because they've had, you know, solid contributions when they've come onto the field. And I think that, that you think about Nelson's goal against Brentford in the League Cup. You think about Inketia starting and scoring goals and obviously assisting one yesterday coming off the bench. Really important. So, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised to see those two starting to get linked with maybe moves away from the club. Um, and I think Arsenal will need to do that. Smith Rowe, you might see linked with teams. Aston Villa was said to be keen. Chelsea said to be keen. Ramsdale, of course, is a big talking point as well. Will he move on? There's been some whispers around maybe goalkeepers in recent days, but I'm not sure of how real those those links are. Again, we'll have to wait and see. I haven't got any, anything to tell you on that, just that I've seen some rumours about goalkeepers. But yeah, let's, let's see what happens in January. But uh, you can be assured that we'll bring you all the updates as and when we get them and discuss them every single morning at 8 a.m. across that January window. Um, Gary says, will money accrued from the Champions League and getting into the knockouts give us an unaccounted kitty in January? Well, of course, Arsenal have earned money by being in the Champions League group stage. You get around 2.4-ish million pounds for each win. So Arsenal managed to win four and draw one. So they amassed, I think it was something in the region of like 13 to 15 million pounds, I think, from their group stage exploits. And obviously progressing to the knockout stages gets you another, uh, I think, an amount of money for, for progressing. We won the group. I think that gets you another uh, bonus on top of that as well. Will that be used? I'm sure it will be taken into account. But you've got to remember that obviously accounting years, now financial years run, it changes things. Um, so that's worth that's pointing out as well. So Arsenal will be affected in a positive way by obviously their their Champions League participation and the bonuses that they'll get from topping their group. But uh, yeah, let's let's wait and see uh, how Arsenal use that money in the window. But I'm not sure. I think it's more to do with player sales and then being a bit clever with the deals they do is the main part of, of Arsenal's potential January business. Uh, I think Arteta is keen, though. You know, on, if, if Arteta thinks that we've got a chance to win the league, I don't think he's going to you know, hang back or be cautious. If Arsenal can do something in the window... They will try and do it. I'm, I'm certain of that. Uh, Jason says, if you were in charge of the PGMOL, what would you do to improve the quality of refereeing and VAR decisions in the Premier League? It's a good question. I think I can touch upon things I've touched on before. I think the VAR should be a third-party organisation. I think those that are running the VAR should be uh, separated from the officials so that there is no connection between those referees on the field in the sense of, camaraderie that we've seen spoken about by Mike Dean in the past. I think that there should be a greater level of accountability for referees in terms of their decision making. And so I would like to implement a league table in terms of refereeing performances that they are given by an independent panel, a score of their performance that is, you know, done over the course of 24, 48 hours following the game. They're scored on their performance, on how accurate they were, on the decisions that they made. And that league table is then reflected every, let's say, three months. And there is promotions and relegations every three months to keep things at the highest level as consistent as feasibly possible. Um, and obviously to open up a greater pool of diversity, which we are seeing happen, as we've seen with Sam Allison and Rebecca Welch's induction into the Premier League pool of referees uh, for December. So that's what I would do, Jason, to help fix the situation. I'd also argue that we could have post-match interviews with referees 
as well. Um, Olu says, hey, Tom, Zobosly had a great start, but has dropped off significantly. Now Havertz is on form. Should fans be more patient when comparing new signings? I think that Zobosly had a poor game yesterday, but I think that Zobosly has still been one of the most important players for Liverpool this season. And I think that it is his influence on that Liverpool midfield, along with obviously the form of Trent Alexander-Arnold, that has seen that Liverpool team take it again back to a level where they're competing at the top of the, the table again. Um, so don't sleep on Zobosly. I would have loved for Arsenal to have signed him. He's a brilliantly talented footballer and Liverpool have signed an amazing player in him. But the point on Havertz is important. And look, I said that people had a right to be concerned because it was getting to a point where the performances weren't coming, that he wasn't delivering. And I think that that in itself, we have seen, you know, the the, the Havertz situation has, has given people a right to be concerned. What people never had a right to do was write the guy off was to abuse him, was to say that he should be sold in January. Because my goodness me, I've, I've seen people disappear quicker than than Homer Simpson into a bush. You know, after the back of that, those comments that they have made on how Kai Havertz, I have people saying that he needs to be sold, et cetera, et cetera. And trust me, I've got the receipts. We've seen it. Um, I also remember tweeting, and you've probably, I've mentioned this before, and it's exceptionally smug of me. So indulge me, if you will, for a second, because I will continue to quote tweet the tweet that I put out Every single time he scores, I tweeted this on the day of the game against uh, against Brentford before, of course, he uh, scored that back post winner. I said, is it that controversial to say that Doku hasn't been any better than Havertz as a summer signing? So this wasn't me saying Havertz has been a better signing than Doku. This wasn't me saying that Doku is terrible. This isn't me saying Doku is a worse player than Havertz. All my claim was is that Havertz or rather Doku, hasn't been any better as a summer signing than Doku is, uh, than Havertz is, sorry. And I, I challenge any of you to tell me why Doku has been a better summer signing than Havertz right now. Feel free. Come at me with your claims that Doku has been a better summer signing than Havertz, because I don't think he has. Havertz has been far more important for us this season. Winning goal at Brentford. Winning goal yesterday to get that second and I think we would have needed that second if it was stayed at one nil I think Brighton would have you know very very close to to equalizing really big goal there starting the kickoff of the goals against Sevilla in the Champions League goal of course to equalize at Luton massive goals for Arsenal you know massive three in his last five games in the Premier League four so far this season um and you know Doku has two goals for the record he has five assists to be fair to him um but two goals, Havertz is twice the amount of goals that Doku does. Um, just great, really, to see it. Really, I, I suppose four as well, you know. Uh, Havertz has six goals. Is it six goals? He has four, four in the Premier League because he scored at Bournemouth as well, that penalty, and then one in Champions, so five. Five goals, five goals overall for Arsenal this season. I think since he scored against Brentford, is he our top scorer? Am I right in saying that? Is he our top scorer since he scored against Brentford? I think he might be. Just uh, <laughs> kind of mad, really, when you think about it. But um, yeah, just really, really solid from him. And I think that, yeah, I don't think Doku has been any better as a signing for Man City than Havertz has been for Arsenal. Um, Tizer says, hi, Tom. Do you think buying Prem ready in January is better than buying from abroad in January, considering the time it can take to adjust? Prem ready players could help straight away, whereas the other 
could hinder. I don't think hinder is the right word. And, and obviously, there is always a chance that if you buy someone from abroad, that they may not be as, I don't know, effective. You know, they may not be as um, efficient as as a, as a Premier League ready player from the off. But also, it's worth pointing out that some players can be. Erling Haaland proved that point. Julian Alvarez, I think, to a degree, has made an almost immediate impact to Man City with, even though he was coming on as a sub and, you know, eventually coming into the team at times. But he was making an impact straight away, which was one of the big reasons why they were comfortable selling Gabby Jesus. Um, so I think that actually, no, it's not always a guarantee that Premier League signings are going to immediately be better. Think about Kai Havertz. You know, Havertz has taken some time to get going, to get ready. I think that if you can sign a player from the Premier League that is going to give you a significant boost of quality to your starting eleven, do it. But there is also that question mark of if you can't sign somebody that pushes the quality needle, should you do that signing? Should you try and sign that player? If not, can you sign somebody that might push the quality needle in the future that can still have something of an impact now? That's also something that I think is worth considering, which I like the idea of signing a younger player with a really high ceiling. That is also something I'm... I'm keen on, uh, and I think Arsenal could potentially still do as as well. Uh, Proper says, any Ben White concerns? If you watched the Brighton game last season and you compared that game to this game this season, there's a significant improvement in how Ben White handled Matoma. A significant improvement. Um, so that is really, really important as well to consider when, when looking at Ben White and any concerns you might have. Has he been as good as he has always been for us? No, I think he's had a little bit of a dip and I think his return from injury has been a factor in that as well. But I do think that Ben White is still really important to the right-hand side of our defence, can be really consistent. Will, of, of course, have a job in dealing with whoever starts at left wing, probably Luis Diaz, uh, when we go and face Liverpool or Diego Jota, depending on who starts. But I'm I'm very confident he and Saliba will be very good when dealing with whatever challenge they face comes at Anfield. Um, but yeah, if you compare the performances against Matoma last season compared to this season, I think we saw a significant improvement from Ben White from one season to the next. So that's also worth pointing out. Um, Gary says Doku is fantastic, but a player uh, the league need to figure out when they do and how to defend him, he will become less effective. Just always the case with players with those types of skill sets. And we've not really seen Man City have one of those types of players since, well, I guess Mares is, is probably the most recent example. But on the left-hand side, I'm trying to think Sterling, perhaps. Since Sterling left Man City, they've lacked that left winger with the dynamic trickery. Um, but even then, I think Doku is is more tricky than, than Sterling is. I think he's got a greater kind of level of skill and techers, if you like. He's like, he's a very easy on the eye type winger, but... Is he show and no go? That's my question mark. I used to say that about someone else. I can't, who is it I used to say? Alan Samaxaman. A lot of Arsenal fans always wanted to see Alan Samaxaman arrive at the, at the club. And I was always like, not for me. Alan Samaxaman for me was always a bit sh all show, no go. And now I think he's what? He's moved to Saudi Arabia, isn't he? Playing in the Saudi League. So, yeah, I, I have a lot of similar vibes with Doku and, and Alan Samaxaman. I'm just not sure if that's the right player. What I want to see Arsenal go for as a wide player is I want to see Arsenal have an absolutely rapid winger that can just do what Matoma, do what, in some ways Matoma is a good example, but have also what Martinelli and Saka, that speed. And that's why I like Neto. If you can get a fully fit Neto, which I know is a question mark, but Neto, I think would be an excellent addition to this Arsenal team and a really good option. Um, so if Arsenal can get, if, if I could sign one player for the forward line in January, it would be Pedro Neto. 
over a striker without a question. So, yeah, it, Pedro Neto would be that choice for me. Um, JDB says, Tom, you might have forgotten this, but after Jorginho scored his goal uh, against uh, literally every outfield player scored under Arteta Bartimba, Lena, who's... Oh, Lawns, sorry. Since Jorginho scored his penalty against Lawns, every outfield player we have scored under Arteta Bartimba and Partey, because he's been out, um, even Cedric, that's sharing out the goals, I suppose. Um, oh, I see what you mean. So... Bar Timbo, who's obviously injured, every single outfield player in this squad has scored under Arteta. So White has scored, Saliba has scored. Has Kivior scored? I don't think Kivior has scored, has he? When did Kivior score for us? He had that one ruled out, didn't he, against um, against PSV the other day. Has Kivior scored for Arsenal? Tell me, remind me. Am I forgetting a goal that he scored at the end of last season? Maybe I am. Um, Zinchenko has scored. Tommy Asu has scored. Um, Kiv Kivio scored in the last game of the season. Ah, yes, that's why the Wolves game. Yes, indeed, he did. You're right. So Kivio got a goal in the last game of the season. So yeah, he's right. Um, Jorginho, El Nenny, Partey, Erdegaard, Havert, Saka, Martinelli, uh, El, ne El Nenny. Uh, I've already said Enketia, Jesus, Trossard. The ball scored. Very, very Smith Rowe has scored, obviously, as well. Um, Vieira has scored. Everyone has scored. It's a great stat. It's a great thing. And obviously, only Timber, who is out injured at the moment, hasn't. So it is a great example. Cedric scored that goal against Southampton, I think it was. Like deflect was it a deflected effort? I think he might have scored uh, under Arteta. So Nelson scored. Uh, easy to forget. <laughs> Uh, but we'd said outfield players, Mike, to be fair. So, yes, the keepers haven't scored, but outfield players um, have all scored other than Urien Timber, who's not had a chance, really, to play. So that is an amazing stat. I think that's a stat in which we will end the show with as kind of a benchmark of what you can expect from this Arsenal team, which is goals from everywhere. Thank you so much, everybody, for listening. It is very much appreciated. Please do drop a like on the video before you go and help us out with a five-star review on Spotify or iTunes. Um, and, of course, you can not only support the channel that way, but if you'd like to come along to our live event, you can. 22nd of February, tickets to our live event are down in today's video description. We welcome you along to North London uh, at the Old Queen's Head on the Essex Road. Thank you so much for watching. It is very much appreciated. I hope you have a fantastic start to your week. Stay safe. Stay well. And uh, let's build up to a massive game at Anfield at the end of this one. And as always, up the Arsenal. It's the 90 plus minute. All your mates around and you've got a McNuggets share box ready to go and you know a late winner's coming. Your mates already got booked for a double dip in and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfection. Order now on the McDonald's app for your McDelivery. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. 
And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.